0: easy-to-engage, on-demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash innerprofessional. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Welcome to Legendary Leaders podcast. I'm very happy to have you all here and to have a guest with me who is focusing on... Purpose. Now, admittedly, this is not the first time we are going to talk about purpose. However, we are going to be taking a slightly different angle to it. And in order to delve deeper into that angle, I've invited Ted Bretchell onto this show. He has just published a book called uh, Stop Chasing Squirrels, which is an interesting title in itself, isn't it? He actually explains to us why he called it this and what the stories actually lie behind the title. So have a listen to that part in particular. It makes me smile already just thinking about it. But we are talking about his story and how he actually came to realize what his real purpose was, how he knows he works and lives in the purpose, And what holds human being back from doing it, right? Guilt being one of them, resentment being another one. How are these attributes connected to living in or outside of our purpose? Why are we not living in the purpose and do something about it while we notice, actually, there should be some change in my life? I don't quite feel happy and fulfilled and content and uh, I'm not sure about you as the listeners, but I speak to quite a few people on a daily basis who say, I have no idea how to make these changes, but I just feel every day is a bit like Groundhog Day. I step completely outside of my values. I don't feel aligned, and yet no idea how to do it and how to step outside of it. Pretty sure this episode today is going to give you some insights on how to take the first steps. If you feel you can't do it alone, who can you contact, who can you get in touch with in order to get support as well and to accelerate this entire process to start living now, truly living now. But let me tell you a little bit more about TED. So TED served as an executive with Xerox and IBM at a very early age and then left the Fortune 500 world world to explore the thrills of entrepreneurship. What he found was a long string of success that looked great on the surface, but underneath it all, he felt anxious, exhausted and stressed, chasing money wherever it led and wondering why he never felt fulfilled. So a very similar story to the ones I've just mentioned. And along his journey, Ted gained valuable insights into how a person can achieve fulfillment in all aspects of life. And he shares those insights with his best-selling book, Stop Chasing Scrolls. And you are the lucky ones because he's going to share them with you here today. And Ted lifts his passion in helping others find theirs A leading proponent of the entrepreneurial operating system, Ted is a speaker, an author, an expert EOS implementer, and a community leader for EOS Worldwide. So, if you got curious now about what Ted has got to say, stay on it and enjoy this episode. And as always, do share with us what you think about it and what are the first steps you would like to take. So, enjoy the episode and I speak to you again in a moment. Well, hello, hello, hello. Today from Palm Springs, Ted Bradshaw, hello.
1: Good morning, Kathleen, or afternoon or evening, as we just explained, but it's morning for me.
0: And it's afternoon for me, and I'm pretty sure one of the listeners at least will be somewhere, you know, sitting in a nice place in the dark. um, (laughs) I.e. it's evening for them at the moment, (laughs) so you're speaking to the entire audience.
1: Well, if we make it interesting, perhaps we'll bring them into the light, Kathleen. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty
0: sure we will. Let's see on which topic we're going to bring them to the light. (laughs) really excited about talking to you today um, because you do something very meaningful in the world as a coach and a speaker in particular, speaking about purpose amongst other topics, but you've also published... A book with just a brilliant name uh, that I definitely want to talk to you about today as well. And some of the key messages that you are sharing in the book. But let's start with you. Right. Because it's really important that people get to know you as an individual with all your experiences you have gathered, all your learnings along the way. And it would be fantastic to hear from you. You know, what's your background and what got you to where you are now?
1: Well, uh, so my—I uh, guess my most my most recent background. If I just take a look at what happened after I decided to get—I suppose—serious with life, whatever age that might be. For some, maybe that's twenties. For some, it's thirties. For some, it's forties. Maybe for some, it's it's even later. Who knows? Yep. For me, a a real pinnacle time was around 25. I don't know what it was about a quarter century uh, that I decided I should stop messing around and become an adult and uh, whatever that meant at the time. But I, 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 it was career. It was it was future thinking. All the all the stuff that someone young and ambitious might be doing and. So I, I began my career after uh, after school with two very large well-known organization, organizations, one being Xerox. So a large, uh, you know, what was a kind of copy or printer company has become a services company now. And then um, there was this massive move towards technology. Uh, this was right around the late 90s or so. And uh, so I moved to IBM because uh, I wanted to learn a little bit about technology. What I loved about those experiences was the training, quite frankly, and just what a professional organization looks like. Uh, there are a lot of other young people at similar stages in life to me, so I felt like I was in the right place. I felt like I had the right cultures. What I did not particularly enjoy at the time was just what, what a large company needs to be is a bureaucracy, you know, in all of the good senses. Uh, so that it can grow, and as organizations grow, it becomes much, much more important with consistency. With do, do it this way, and and I didn't in, enjoy that. I found it limiting, and so I decided to step out of that. And uh, earlier, we were talking about being open to opportunities and just feeling like something good was gonna come along. Mm-hmm. And for me at that time, it was an opportunity to to acquire the rights to distribute uh, Xerox products uh, for the small medium sized marketplace. So it was a it was a wonderful way for me to uh, not completely jump out of the safety and comfort of a known thing like a job, but at the same time it was jumping into my own thing because it wasn't. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't working for anybody. I had a large partner in Xerox, but I wasn't working for anybody. And so that was my first foray into the world of entrepreneurship. And uh, over the course of the next 20 years from that time, Kathleen, I had started uh, five other businesses. So I really found my groove, I guess, in this land of creating and starting things. Yeah. A lot of heartburn along the way, but uh, if I look back now, it's over the course of those with what I'm doing now. The I guess six businesses I've I've started, four of them I would I can put in the win category, uh, and two are in the in the in, in the in the clear loss category, at least as far as the outcomes you're trying to achieve. So so that 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 brings me uh, you know, over the past seven years. I've been a coach. I've been a business coach. And I'm loving it. And uh, after observing leaders and observing people in their most in many cases, uh, an interesting mix of it's not like the most vulnerable moments where somebody's being, you know, just completely transparent and just putting it all out there like they might do with a, a trusted friend or a spouse or a partner. But I I've seen people and they're in in very vulnerable in a professional setting, which is an interesting combination because on the one hand you're trying to project something, but on the other hand, you're trying to connect. And it that I've felt I found it a privilege to to experience people in that in that environment. And uh it motivated me to to write the book that you mentioned. Uh And here we are now with you uh, today, which is wonderful. Here we
0: are. are. And now we (laughs) mentioned the book twice, and I said it has a real fascinating, really cool title. So share the title with us.
1: (laughs) All right. It's called Stop Chasing Squirrels.
0: Uh, Yeah,
1: it's Stop Chasing Squirrels.
0: It always creates pictures, right? (laughs) How did you come up with the name? I'm pretty sure it's a question you hear fairly often.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It's, it's sort of a two-parter to this, and uh, so where where it first occurred to me was working with these entrepreneurs and leadership teams, particularly the founders of companies. They're visionaries, and they are always thinking. I find, you know, what's the next idea? What's the next invention? What's the next possibility? And as, as I would see them in their in their natural habitat, in other words, working with with their teams, if we were having one of our co- my coaching sessions with them, which I'll work with them as well as their leadership teams, if I noticed a pattern that if we happen to be in a, in a meeting room or a boardroom where the, there was a window to the outside, that if they were sitting facing the window to the outside it would be very difficult to keep their attention because any little thing that was going on outside in the parking lot or wherever uh, it could be the simplest thing it would grab their attention and take them away from the present moment for a period of time and so i had to start to get (laughs) somewhat strategic about seating plans you know and and making sure that the visionaries uh these these creators creative types were sitting with their backs to to the windows and I this you will you appreciate this I we talked about San Diego I do some work in San Diego and I had a I had a place that I was staying and uh it just had the perfect what I thought the perfect session uh space and it was Overlooking the ocean on on the on the cliffs, just a wonderful setting. Great place to just be inspired and do good work. And the company I was with, this particular visionary, uh, was was seemed to be a little bit agitated for a good part of the day. And and at the end of the day, I always and he, it was a good day though. But he was he just seemed a little bit off from his normal patterns and the normal way he operated. And he said, "You know, we can't do at the end of the day." When I was getting feedback on how the day went, uh, his his response was, uh, "We can't do it. We can't do a session here again. We just can't do a session here." And he was he was dead serious about it. And uh, I said, "Why? What what was the was the problem?" He said, "I could not bring myself away from." The the ocean basically is what he was saying, and for him, even though he put himself in a seat not to be, you know, looking through the window, for him the ocean conjured a whole bunch of imagery. You know, he was a, he's a surfer; he spent his life around it, and so it was very difficult for him. And he almost would prefer, hey, let's just find a room that doesn't have any, yeah. you know, access to the outside. So. I was like, "This is a real thing." Like he was, he was really agitated by it. And then, where where I sort of the name when I connected the dots on this, my I have my son. He's he's now twenty two, but at the time he was probably seven or eight. And this is going back before I started to coach. But I remember seeing something about it was a cartoon, or it was it was it was some show where a dog was you know running, and then all of a sudden his squirrel darted out and it the dog went chasing after the squirrel and i was i was telling this story to somebody and at the very at that very moment my son was in our backyard and he was focused and concentrated on playing with something and a squirrel darted out from under a tree and he absolutely stopped everything he was doing and it redirected every ounce of his attention over to where the squirrel was and in in a second, he had changed his focus and, and got interested in something else. And so those two things, I said, you know, if you keep chasing these squirrels, you're going to have a hard time. And I was at the time thinking, finishing off projects, finishing off something you committed to, uh, not doing a, you know, a full and complete job because things are getting left half done. And I was thinking of it from a parent perspective and then, but when I saw my Client do it. I was like, okay, there's, there's definitely, this is a catchy way to get someone's attention. But it's, it can be pretty serious if, if we don't get this, we don't get these things under control. So there you have it. There's the, there's the you. backstory on, on the Thanks. squirrels.
0: Yeah, thank you for it. And I actually hit a nerve right now, especially when you mentioned, you know, um, it made me reflect upon me as a parent in this moment. And I was like, oh man, how many situations are there that I can think of right away? Where me or my husband might have made the choice to chase squirrels, right? Instead of just <laughs> focusing what's here right now. And I wonder, I wonder how we can translate it into the business world. You work with those creative entrepreneurs, for example, right? I work with leaders in organizations, which I'm sure are parts of your client base as well. And are those squirrels like the moments of or something flashy came up that we can work on? Or is it just the simple email notification? What are these things in our day-to-day lives?
1: It really is anything that can distract us from the present moment and distract us from our intention. I think that might be probably a better way to describe it. We have an intention to do something, and it could be, so, it, it could be as simple as an, you, you mentioned email notifications. So the intention could be, I'm making breakfast for my daughter. So that in that moment, we'll, we'll use parenting and, and connected to the workplace. There's only so much, obviously, so much time we have for certain for certain things that are that we have to get done, or, or that we want to get done, and that are important to us. And maybe we feel are important to others, and we can probably all agree that spending quality time with our children are is, is probably pretty high up on the list. You know, for those of us that have children. And if, if making breakfast with them or eating breakfast with them is at that moment the most important thing that we want to do and we set the intention, but if, if we have maybe 20 minutes to do it before they're off to school or whatever the case may be, if we spend even three of those minutes being pulled away from an email notification or from the TV that's on behind us or something like that, um, it has this psychological effect on us uh, that in, in that moment, for whatever reason, we feel it's important to check that email notification or stop and look what's going on in the TV. But we've we've missed a piece of the time that we had set aside to spend with our daughter in this case. And so subconsciously, we feel guilt or can feel guilt without, you know, without it manifesting itself right in that moment. And, and invariably, it's going to cause us some think. It's going to cause us to want to make up for that at some point. And so what happens is, you know, we, okay. When I come home, you know, sorry, I didn't get, I didn't get a chance to, you know, to read, read the book you wanted me to read, but you've got to go to school. I've got to go. Don't worry. We're going to, you know, I'll make up, I'll make this up at dinner. And, and this pattern can repeat itself. And if you haven't experienced it, I, I certainly have a lot. And so we start to, we start to create this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure I carve quality time out in the future. And, and it becomes this future wish. Mm-hmm. We can take that to work. We can take that to the to, to business, to, to the businesses that we're in. When we're, when we're creating this idea of what we want for our careers or what we want for our business, And we're working towards it. But if we get distracted and and start to spend time on other, what we now are deeming priorities, because in the moment we're distracted by them, if we don't achieve what we wanted for our business or what we wanted from that day, again, it creates this, it can create this gap. It can create this gap of what we intended to do and what we actually did, and so that's where where I see a lot of a, a lot of creative, motivated, driven people lose momentum uh, because they I think they misinterpret a lack of progress with a lack of focus because the outcome isn't what they were looking for, they feel that they're ultimately not being successful and may, and maybe they're maybe they're not good enough right or maybe maybe they just can't execute where that might be the furthest thing for the truth from the truth but because they're not able to because they haven't been able to appreciate 10 or 20 different things that they had said that, that they they actually tried to accomplish in a day pulled them away from the the one or two most important things and and you can apply this to pretty much every aspect of our lives. If, if, if you really take a look at what we intended to do, what did we end up doing and what happened between those two things? For
0: me, it starts even a little bit early. And I think it comes out of your book as well is why are we actually having a list of those 20 things? <laughs> What's the purpose right behind it? Why are we saying yes to those? What are the key drivers basically?
1: When we in the book identify because this 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 started with me and then and then i I started to see this in other people and where I found myself pretty regularly, it was in a was in a headspace of I accomplished the thing I set out to do, like I said, maybe chasing 20 different things along the way, but ultimately getting there sooner or later, but still not quite feeling fulfilled or quite feeling like mm, okay check the box on that now what's the next thing mm. and uh, so as i started to investigate that i uh, in, in research for the book i identified that there are six common drivers and there are there are there are more but these are these are the six most common that that i that i uncovered that we may be controlling us a little bit in in the decisions we make and the intentions that we set. And so uh these are drivers like jealousy. And jealousy can take many, many forms. You know, look jealousy is on social media looking at what somebody else, you know, somebody else has and and wanting that. Right. And so that can drive us to make certain decisions or think in certain ways or, you know, project certain things. I know in my life um guilt guilt has played a role in some of the decisions that i have made so that's another driver guilt can drive us either something that we've done or something we didn't do right? guilt guilt can can run both ways uh like i mentioned it can be as simple as not spending the 20 minutes having breakfast mm-hmm. right with your daughter and uh and then uh fear is another driver resentment can be a driver materialism resentment can be a driver i hear this a lot with with uh or i see this and i observe this a lot some people the way to motivate them is to tell them they can't do something do you know any people like this if if just tell me i can't do that and that that's a sure way to get me to go try yeah, it i
0: got to prove right? this
1: got to prove that and so when 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 somebody is in a situation where they were maybe it was a business deal that that didn't work out and in their minds it should have worked out in their minds it 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 it, it was something it, it was it it was nothing that they did it was maybe the you know the partnership they had or whatever it might be and so they carry with them this resentment that says you know. I'm going to show you, right? Or, or I'm going to show the world or I'm going to show my parents or, you know, I'm going to, sh- I'm going to prove this. And that's based on feeling there's some insecurity, mm-hmm. right? There's a little bit of, well, uh, it's not fair. And so we carry some of this resentment forward that, uh, you know, n- next time it's going to be different. So for, for me, this happened with, um, I, I had a, I had a business, uh, that, it was successful, but it was, there was a partnership, and it didn't it didn't end well. And so, in the end, uh, when the negotiating was happening, it was almost a negotiation from when not a win win, but there was definitely a uh, a win loss. If I agreed to the terms, then I would feel like I was you know losing, and so I would kind of hang on. I hung on too long. And then once that uh, deal was finally finished, I carried some, I still, to this day, there's still some resentment that uh, I didn't quite get what I defined as my fair share. And so there's a little bit of even carrying with me today this I'm going to be better after this broken deal than I was before. And there's so, not really the right driver for some of the motivation to be better, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, that's where resentment can show its show itself up, and and those are some of the more those are some of the more trickier ones. There's the last two that I identify the the materialism, the you know that that we can pretty much point to every reason why everybody wants a higher salary. You know, it, you can usually tie it to materialism of some sort, just wanting more of whatever, bigger house, bigger car, vacations. So those are a little easier to put our finger on. And then the then the the, the sixth one is is a need for approval. You know, so the people pleasers that are out there. But resentment and some of these other ones like fear, these are, these are places we don't often like to go. And so they can be a little bit harder to uncover, uh, but they do affect us and they can they can affect our decision making and they can affect our uh relationships you know they can affect the pretty much the the way that we see the world the way that we see ourselves in the world and so i suggest in the book that maybe being driven although it's often worn like a badge of honor and i would consider myself a driven person and uh, if you look if you look it up the the word has a positive connotation, but if you look up the psychological definition of being driven, it isn't so pretty and so when we psychologically the, the effect it has us on us psychologically can do some damage and so what I propose in the book is if we can agree that being driven in certain ways is actually harmful to us, m- going forward, and, I, and I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to minimize the benefit that being driven has led to so far at this point in our lives, mm-hmm. because it got us to where we are in many ways.
0: In what a sense of it, being ambitious
1: ambitious go yeah. Yeah, exactly exactly the the you know the, the the those things that that do lead to to growth that do lead to development that do lead to wonderful breakthroughs and i love the word ambitious you that 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 is kathleen Had i i would have put that in the book maybe the next version because because that does make a lot of sense
0: call me ted no problem
1: i i would thank you kathleen uh it, it's more how do we feel about our success? I think that is is where the 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 ambition starts to bleed into those, you know, the being driven almost at all costs, you know. And so what I suggest in the in the book is that acknowledge the past. And that's where the drivers you know, we can we can we measure ourselves looking backwards. So acknowledge the past and become aware of what is or has driven you and the reason to do this is because we're not quite feeling fulfilled i mean there's a root cause in there if if someone right now one of your listeners is listening to this and is is identifying with some of these drivers but is sitting there and can honestly say because only they know what's going on in their head. If they can honestly say they are a hundred percent good and in a good headspace and fulfilled and happy and every other definition you would use, then they then they're good. Then they're in good shape. Then I, they don't need possibly to, to to spend too much time. Don't worry about the book. But for anyone else out there who has experienced that this there's this constant yearning by observing those drivers and then making a choice to put them in a diff, through a different lens. And I have a tool called the tool, the driver transformer. And it takes you through a journey on identifying your drivers. But then once you've done that, the transformation is what's the opposite? So literally, what's the opposite? So if if you take uh, fear as a driver, if you've identified one of those drivers and you uh, place its opposite, the definition or the opposite of fear is confidence. So when you do that with some of these drivers, you'll find there are many words to describe the positive side of a negative driver. And so we can have, we have a choice instead of to move forward or be driven in fear, let's move forward in confidence. And this is where I start to propose that if we can agree that maybe some of these drives are not going to be helpful in the future, let's make a choice to be guided. So let's make a choice to be guided and i chose the word guided because the visual of being driven is you're not in control right like you're being driven and and that just means you're a passenger and the vehicle or the vessel is just taking you where it's going to take you so let's take that control back let's choose to be guided this also implies that we don't have all the answers ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? We need others to to help us. Yeah. So so guided is making a choice. I'm choosing to be guided by someone or something. And so when we start to think about going forward with, I guess, the, the antonyms or the opposites of those negative drivers, now we're moving forward in confidence, right? Materialism, a... a an opposite of materialism uh, could, or jealousy could look like abundance, right? We're moving forward in abundance. And then this is where I start to propose again, all right, how would we sum, how would we sum up what we wanted, want to be guided by? And this is where I've selected purpose to be the guide, be guided by purpose. And that starts to get us down a path where we are less likely to be distracted if we know what our purpose is and we are willing to be guided by it. Being willing is an important aspect of that.
0: And being willing, but also purpose is a big topic, right? And and that's why I kind of want to put a little bit of time and discussion into the actual purpose discussion. Mm -hmm. You have explained the process right now the transformation, the driver transformer, in a way that's really simple. Let's, let's just do that. Let's be <laughs> guided. Yeah, Good, Good on you.
1: <laughs> I'm yes. being cynical yes. here for
0: a reason, because I'm putting myself into the shoes of somebody, and I truly believe I've been there as well, who has been guided by not just one of those rather emotional negative drivers, right?
1: Uh, let yeah. it be the
0: materialism. Let it be the resentment. That's a big one for me. I can say that very, oh, okay. very clearly here. Worst one, right? And to me, it felt like this downward spiral. Negative thoughts of constantly the people pleasing as well, striving for more, getting it right for other people, constantly feeling exhausted, but certainly not fulfilled. I got to a stage where I simply felt stuck. So if anyone would have approached me in this, uh, in this moment to say, let's transform those drivers. <laughs> and let's just think about how to move them towards confidence. I would have said, thank you very much. So how? <laughs> right. right. So, so I would right. love to dive a little bit deeper into what's the process there and what can help people in this moment to step into a more, well, neutral spiral perhaps for now.
1: Yeah, neutral spiral. Yeah, Um, Kathleen. It it's really important to understand that we're not trying to. This is not trying to run away from something because this is the other. This is the this is the unfortunate part of when we simply try to resist. There's a uh, what somebody shared this with me once. If if I if I say to you, please, whatever you do right now, do not think about a purple gorilla just do not think about a purple gorilla and you're going to be thinking about the purple gorilla until we can sort of move off of that. And so it, the human mind is, is, it's remarkable because we can remember, right? It, it, it also works where the more we think about something, the more of that something we're going to get. And that's thinking about it is literally wish wanting to wish it away as well. And so when we when we look at a driver like resentment, it's important that you really all that is required, Kathleen, is to acknowledge it, be aware of it and even the people pleasing. And I know there's probably lots of examples that that will pop up in your brain and then don't label it. I don't don't label it as as uh, uh, you know, regrets. Another one, by the way. Don't don't label it as uh, something that. Oh, I, if I could go back, I would do that again. You know, because that that puts you in that spiral. That's what happens because it's an impossibility. You can't go back. You can only go forward. And so, just acknowledge it, and then let it go. Not let it go as in I'm never going to think about it again. But just acknowledge that. Okay, that that was. That was a driver. That was something that uh, you know that I held some resentment on too. And that helps with a shift in being ready to choose differently going forward. And so that leads me to, to your question okay, so what do I do? What do I do to get into this neutral spot? Simply by acknowledging those drivers, being aware of them, and choosing to be guided will put you in the right frame of mind so you're ready for step 2. Step 2 is not a let's try to change all of those things. Step 2 is to get clear on what are those characteristics that define you today? So if we if we can get if we can agree that those drivers were were defining us in the past mm-hmm. and then we're saying we're going to leave those in the past and letting go of those. Now we can start to think, okay, well, what is awesome about Kathleen today? And this is where I know I find tools to be helpful for these things. So this this tool for this this section is called the temperature check. Because we're transforming those drives. And the temperature check is taking an inventory of your talents. That's the T, your experiences, your motivators, your personality, and your strengths. And so temperature check, temps for short. And if you take the time to start to, to really get clear on what your talents are, and you have them, we all do, it may not be uh, where you're spending your time right now. And this is why being willing is important because talents may go uncapitalized un, um, un on if, if, if we don't actually pursue them. So we have to get clear on our talents and, and talents are just as, as I, as you, as your listeners might think they are. Talents are things that you do better than most things that come easy to you that others find hard. So if you've ever been complimented on, I don't know how you do that. So I use, I'll use one of my examples. Uh, From a very young age, I felt comfortable standing up in front of a room and just talking. And from a very young age, I also found it very it was exciting for me to engage in in a debate uh, so just that sort of thinking on your feet type of debate live and that leads to my public speaking today and that isn't something that now that i'm I'm, I'm practicing it and I'm training it and i've got a coach and all the rest of it so I can fine tune things but there's there's a there's a talent in there that that's giving me a good baseline. Yeah. And so everyone's got them. We just have to look at what, what they are. They're not going to be a list of 10 things. Like if they are true talents, it's likely, you know, three or four. Really? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's pretty good too. And then the experiences and this, this requires some time because the experiences are pretty much all of those life experiences that led you were to where you are today. And in the book, I I identify what are your family experiences? So from growing up, uh, my family experience, it was somewhat dysfunctional, you know, my, my experience that that I had, I had two loving parents, but they weren't so loving to each other, you know, and so that caused a breakup early in my, you know, childhood, and it it caused, it brought some hardship. It brought some financial hardship. And so when I, when I think about that family experience, when I think about that upbringing, what I'm trying to glean out of that for this exercise is what were the useful tools that came out of that experience for me that I can use and that I have used? And one of the key ones that come out of that for me is resiliency, being resilient. And I can start to tie these things, Kathleen, to, to the experiences that, that we go through in life uh, that come unexpectedly. And uh, I'll use COVID as an example. I know COVID had a tremendous negative effect on many, many people. And I'm not, I'm not talking even about the, the physical the physical, the, the health issues that happened where pe- people got really sick and passed away. Uh, more The bigger, I think the, the bigger pandemic or I guess the bigger uh, sickness is the mental, the mental sickness that's come from it. And uh, it's complicated and there's a lot of moving parts to it. Uh, but at least in some small way, I know that I can point to some of some of the experiences that I had with my upbringing. and can reflect back on when things were really really bad and looking at what was going on with covid being able to sort of make sense of it that it you know that things could be worse than this like, things can be worse than this. not being allowed to go outside okay not being allowed to, to to see you know see our friends okay um but they can be worse and so uh for me i just that resiliency piece and i, and I, I do not want to Underestimate the impact this has had on many people. I think with a little bit more resiliency, uh, we would have weathered this storm a little differently than than we did. And there's a lot of reasons why resiliency has been chipped away at for certainly our our younger generation. So these are some of the experiences you really have to dig deep on, and and friendships or job experiences. Something as simple as that. I had crappy jobs before I had my real jobs, but there was always something I could pull out of it. I, I one of my jobs was convincing people that didn't want to pay their bills for their car to actually pay it. Wow! And, right? Like they they just yeah they they just felt that they didn't you know they they ran into tough times or what have you, and they got behind on their payments. And, and this happened to be a car company. The last thing the car company wanted was the cars back, right? So, so you had to find a way, and I work in this this bullpen type of uh, office where I watched my colleagues scream at people, <laughs> scream at them, you know, just just threaten them. I'm gonna repo your car. I'm gonna send the police after you. Whatever it might be, and it occurred to me that that wasn't a very effective approach. And so I watched what wasn't working, and I employed the other, the opposite. I said, Well, what if I was nice to these people? and what let's see what happens i had wonderful results from that so even though the job wasn't so great that experience within that job i can carry forward in how i connect with people today no matter where they're coming from so it's really given me a it's really given me a a lens to not judge because somebody might be having a bad day bad situation so so it's easy it's easy to say, don't judge, but if you can reflect on a time when you actually didn't judge and it benefited you or the person you're dealing with, you, you you can usually put that in your toolbox as a, you know, as a skill to take forward. Mm-hmm. So there's examples that I have in the book on on ways to drill into all of this, Kathleen, and the same with motivators, really ambition is, put, I, I think I would use, put in that category as well. What are you ambitious, ab- ambitious about? What is motivating you? Personality. So it's, it's only been until recently that introverts, uh, being an introvert was seen as maybe not being an ideal trait. Recently, that's changing.
0: Uh, I'm a big ambassador for that, by the way.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so am I. Yeah, so am I. and So we have to embrace that. Right. We have to embrace that instead of, you know, pretending we're not trying to force ourselves into situations where we're, you know, trying to be extroverts because we think that's what the job or that's what that that moment requires of us. And then and then the strengths. So strengths, again, um, are those they're not talents. So the differentiator here is the if you've worked on them, you know, these are some things that just due to due to circumstances, you found yourself in situations where you were pretty good at something. And because you got the repetitions in, because maybe you had a coach or a mentor that that really helped you become above average at at something, those are strengths to to list. When we go through that exercise of identifying our talents, the experiences, our motivators, our personality traits, uh, our strengths that's who we are that those those are the the elements that we can use to start to wrap our hands around this definition of purpose and i describe this as our what you know this is what when we put all of those together we are unique you know that makes us very unique in how we're constructed you know those experiences and talents and motivators and all of that mashed together it's not one thing on its own it's all of this together and so that's you today kathleen so that should be inspiring that should be encouraging whether the list is 10 items long or 500 items long that's worth celebrating and seeing that as a matter of fact there are plenty of reasons for you to feel optimistic. That you uh, do have a list of tools in your toolkit that you can carry forward with you to do some wonderful, wonderful things and feel like you're in the right place. So that's the second part of our journey on being guided. Get clear mm-hmm. on those those tools.
0: And thank you for sharing them so generously. There's far more on the book. So it's still worth getting, getting the book and meeting, but <laughs> all the other top tips and tricks. But I I, I love what you said in terms of, you know, in particular the experiences of what I've learned in my childhood from parents separating the financial hardship. It gave me resilience. And this is how I applied it during the pandemic, for example. I It, it showed that there was almost regular mental training. You uh, train this muscle of actually seeing the positive side to a challenge as well. And I loved it in the beginning when you talked about the different businesses you started, and you said there were learning opportunities. Right? <laughs> so others would say massive failures and went wrong. Um, but again, yes, it might be a failure. Okay. But still, what did I take away from it? And for me, it is, for example, having worked with some challenging leaders, perhaps leaders I had for a long period of time, also personality challenges, with, where I said, what did I learn from them about leadership that I am trying to avoid? right?, oh, yes. so taking these observations out of even the biggest situations of hardship, and that can not just teach us some valuable lessons, but it trains our brain in thinking differently in approaching challenges differently, and then wiring ourselves. To perhaps step quicker out of this downward spiral, or not even stepping into it as much as we have done before. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's important: the awareness and then practicing it.
1: Yes, you have to practice it. Uh, you, uh, the brain is—it's very elastic. You know, mm-hmm. the, you can change the neural pathways. You can mm-hmm. change. On a chemical level, you can change mood with 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 this practice. And uh, you're right, though it does take time, Kathleen. And it does take it does take an openness. So you mentioned some of these challenging leaders that you've had to work with. What is it in them that maybe either you know you need, for example? Because sometimes uh, the things that we don't like in others that we see are those things that that we see in ourselves that we don't that we don't like. We know they're there, so we we resist them. So it does require some, some practice. It does require some, some work, but it also at the same time requires you to be kind with, with yourself. You know, we, we need to be, we need to be gentle with our, with ourselves. If we're too hard on ourselves, it, it can, it can lead to some hopelessness. You know, it can lead to uh, just a sense of this downward, this n- even neutral spiral is just not going to change. And so we have to be, we have to we have to take those wins and those those green shoots as as they come and recognize that to really understand if anything is 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 good for us we need to understand that there are going to be some things that are bad for us and you know that's that's the relativity of how we determine good from bad we've got to know or at least understand what bad is to know what good is
0: so What's interesting for me, before we talk about purpose in more detail, is also what's the mission behind the book? What is it you're trying to achieve? And and just to give a little bit more context to this question, you mentioned, you know, it's based on your own experience as well that you bring into the book. However, now this is an assumption you're also working, obviously, with other people, entrepreneurs, leaders, creatives, as you mentioned and I'm pretty sure their experiences, their stories also play a role. So what would you like people to get support with? How would you help, like to help them? Uh,
1: so I'm going to start at the 100,000 foot level and then I'm going to come down to a more practical level. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a definite, I think this is an example of what I write about in the book as well. When we get clear on our clear clear on our purpose on that, you know, what it is we're here for and why we're here to do it, what happens is it it's not like the the purpose expands or the purpose gets larger. It it actually gets more focused, but it gets more intense and it has an amplifying effect when it does that. So this is an example of what's happened for me, Kathleen, and this has literally happened in, in the last 12 months or last six months since the book has has been released. The hundred thousand foot answer is I truly believe that if every human being on the planet truly understood what it is they can be the best at and why, why it is they should pursue that and every human being followed it, every problem would be solved. That's my hundred thousand foot level big. honest belief, and it's big. And if if in the book as well, I talk about what is the future going to look like, and two of those questions that I want one there's there's five questions to ask. Two of them are what's the uh, what's the message that you're willing to stand on the top of the tallest building or tallest mountain and shout out. So I just shared what that message is. I believe that finding purpose would cure all ails. And then the next question, one of the the questions is, and who's your community? Who are you going to speak it to? And so this is where I can bring it down a little bit more practical level. So I initially wrote the book, watching very successful owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs that by all accounts should have no reason to be unfulfilled, plenty of money, plenty of success, nice houses, uh, donate to great causes, good families everything so you can go tick tick the box and i'd watch them still be somewhat apprehensive about what was to come there was this uncertainty that still existed because they weren't quite sure if they were really in their proper place it was amazing that they still with despite all of this stuff, still felt unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I'm looking going, okay, so it's not just me, it's this person and that person. And this would be an interesting conversation. If you could ever have an honest one with some of those that we put up on pedestals right now, you know, and really ask them the question is, is your constant striving? Mm -hmm. Is there something else going on there? Like what is leading to that? so the book was was written for for those people to have some tools those successful people to have some tools to give some comfort to them you know to to give them um some i think some meaning you know some meaning after the meaning. these are these are entrepreneurs that have that sold their businesses or they've gotten bored with their businesses or whatever it might be what I've seen happen now over the, over the last six months or so. And this is where I think this narrowing or focusing of my purpose is coming into play. I'm seeing a lot of leadership team members that are seeing this book and the concepts in the book to help them become better leaders, better managers so it's starting to 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 move into a direction, Kathleen. Where I'm seeing the book starting to be a uh, an expansion on. Have, have you heard of Simon Sinek? Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, right. So he popularized start with why. Yeah. I'm now. I'm suggesting start with I. We have to start with with the employee. We we really have to. Start with, do we understand our, our employees' purposes? It, yes, start with why, but which why? We spend a lot of time on the company's why. We need to start spending more time on the individual's why. And,
0: and so that's
1: and, where I'm starting to see it. And why? It's an and obvious we, question,
0: but I want to just get it yeah, out
1: yeah, of why? And- well, first of all, they're, they're asking they're they're asking this this is this is really important to to the workforce of today you know that that I want to go somewhere where i where I have purpose where I have meaning, so companies are well come to us because our company has purpose our company has meaning yeah. okay that's that's great, but that doesn't necessarily help me if i'm not sure what my why is mm-hmm. So we can find that intersection between the company's why and an individual or an employee's why, that is lightning in a bottle. Can you imagine an organization that has clear line of sight to the organization's mission and all of their people have a clear line of sight to their own missions and have a real clear understanding that maybe this isn't the place for you to achieve it, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: So I think that's what's at, what's at stake is uh, having this this virtuous relationship of our our employees knowing what it is that they can be world class at and why they should pursue it and and understanding that at least in part them spending a good portion of their their lives at work or working somewhere if they know that's aligned with with their what and their why they're going to be engaged they're not going to want to leave you know they're going to want to contribute because they know what's good for what's good for the for them is is good for the company and vice versa so that that's that's now the sort of the narrowing that i'm seeing with the concepts in the book
0: and now let's also focus on the leaders on you right um uh, you have shared Um, before how you stepped out of the corporate world, for what reasons, and then you took a risk, even though it was a smart risk, to do something differently and run your own business, basically.
1: Mm.
0: So it sounded to me, and I'm simplifying it now, as if you were pretty clear on your purpose in terms of your awareness, emotions that were there, that you were experiencing and feeling and sitting on, probably pretty much early on time and then took charge of living perhaps into your purpose. And that's pure assumption right now.
1: <laughs> right? So, so
0: how was it for you? And, and I also, sorry to add another point. i read somewhere that you felt pretty passionate about coaching others and supporting others. The moment you started doing it. So that plays into it. How, how do you feel it? How do you know I'm living or I'm not living into my purpose?
1: Yeah. It, it I had always known there. I'd always had this help sort of mentality that that I uh, even even with my earlier businesses. One of one of my businesses was was a software company in in the education space, and it was for K twelve students. And so this this is an I this is an example where I wasn't quite doing this purpose work at the time, Kathleen. This is just life happening to me and. Being driven, quite frankly, mm-hmm. maybe by all six of those drivers that I mentioned at the time, but I had this ultra. I still had. There was a fiber in me. There was a fiber uh, of light inside of me that I felt really good. That if if we could help these young students perform better, that it would make the world better. You know, and and it, they they would just be more. Uh, uh, more effective more effective adults as they started to, to go go and go and grow so that was there and I remember standing up and having conversations with school superintendents and giving talks and how, what wonderful things they could do and I really could feel it but there was still the the, the primary driver was commerce the primary driver was we're going to make a lot of money when we sell this company because it's awesome and you know software makes a lot of money. So we can do both of those things If we can help kids and we can make a lot of money. You know, that's not a bad thing. And so I would feel really good when I was having the conversation, like I said, with superintendents, where I would lose a bunch of energy is when I started to have conversations with the teachers. Okay. Because ultimately the superintendents and the school boards, they were, they were writing the checks, they were paying for it, but it was the teachers that needed to implement. Mm. So they were actually the most important cog in all of this. And I lost a lot of energy, you know, when it came to trying to, because to me it was like, oh, this is just all the reasons why this isn't going to work. And I'm, you know, and so I, I, I started to, to, to really, uh, I grew some resentment around. Oh, okay. Here we go. Like, it, and I, I, I can see it now, but I didn't see it at the time. It, it was taking it was taking energy away from me. So this is when you ask the question, how do you know when you're in it or when you're getting closer to it? If you fast forward to where I am now, and when I get into a room of of um leadership teams, I have the same I can I can tap into the same feeling that I had back when I was speaking to those school superintendents about what the potential is of what we're trying to do so i i could still feel that even though that feeling was 15 years ago the difference now though that i feel is when i talked about the shift from the from the school software going from decision makers to the teachers that needed to implement it and that's where i couldn't help them because i wasn't it wasn't in my sweet spot with that. That wasn't where I was supposed to be. Now, when I'm working with these leadership teams and I, I get to the same place of feeling really good about conveying a message and, and reaching them and helping them, I also feel as motivated when we talk about implementation because I'm now much more closely aligned and I'm working... With a group of people now that I feel like are kind of, you know, my people. Yeah. And I can imagine that it's not that I've evolved. I think it's always been there. It's just I found myself working in the right place. So for example, if I'm working with a leadership team of eight people and the company has a hundred people in it, I'm aware that I shouldn't be the person going to speak to a hundred people to, to try to implement it because I've tried that, you know, with the teachers. That's not my, where I'm going to be most effective. And so it's just the narrowing and that's, you know, that's a, that's just a choice. And I, I, I do get asked, Ted, would you come and do this for our, for our teams? I said, no, I'll come and support you. I'll be in the room, but I'm not the person to, to motivate your people. I'm not the person to that you need to lead and manage. And so uh, you start to really know when you're in that place, Kathleen, when you can feel it, when you feel the congruence of, I'm really having a positive effect here. And you feel, you feel rewarded at the end of the day uh, by the time that you spent. And you also are getting results. So this is also something that As you start to focus purpose, it should get easier, not harder. I I can I can imagine that those prolific entrepreneurs that we know, the Richard Bransons, the Elon Musks, others that seemingly do amazing things over and over and over again, I imagine for them they've just completely found their sweet spot where it just comes really easy to them to to do. What they do, yeah, and that's accessible to all of us. So it's looking to those. Are you? Are you? Is it? Is it getting easier or harder? It needs to get easier. And are then you having to, a bigger impact.
0: And and then to believe that easy is actually a good thing. I, I I think I've mentioned this on a different podcast episode, but no harm in sharing it again. Uh, I remember my own situation and then situations with some of my clients. Um, so as so I changed into my sweet spot and yep. loved it loved it and that included coaching <laughs> by the way as well and truly supporting others in a more meaningful way and i remember going home and saying to my partner at the time uh, that feels too easy something must be wrong i'm not doing enough
1: <laughs> right it, it must feel
0: harder <laughs> because i was so wired yeah. into let's give it all let's work 16 hour days let's you know feel exhausted all the time that's when you ought to be successful and I've heard very similar stories from some of the clients that I've been working with. And then I could actually see it. Like you are in your sweet spot. You are now having the opportunity to be in flow more often. Yeah. You know, that's when you lose track of time and you just enjoy yourselves and you're doing some great work. So yeah. well, what I'm actually trying to say, and there's a question behind it too, is how not to get into our own way. With stories we start to tell ourselves that it should feel harder.
1: Well we can that we can trace that back uh somewhere in those drivers, Kathleen. Mm-hmm. So uh just in in hearing you, there's likely some guilt, you know, that's coming coming to play. It's it shouldn't why why is it so why is it so easy? It shouldn't be this easy. I should be working harder. You know, you're feeling like well, idle time if I Oh boy! If I dare take an hour off here, I, I could be doing something else. I should be doing something else. It's unnatural to constantly have to work hard to get a result. It something's wrong if that's happening, mm-hmm. you know. If if we if we are just constantly having to work so hard, and you, we can observe this, we can observe this with um, is is football a good analogy to use? Okay, definitely. So if the average fan who just, and I, and I, and you can be a, um, you can be an armchair football fan where you're sitting at at home or you're, you're in the stadium and you're watching the teams play and you're watching a particular player that seems to just make things look easy. You know, like you just, uh, whoever your favorite striker might be and whatever they're they're always in the right place, right they, they always know you know where to be, they always know where to put the ball. and so you're thinking to yourself, if you've played some football, I could do that. like I don't know I mean that looks that doesn't look so hard. I could I would score if I was in that position. <laughs> what we're not seeing is the thousands of hours of practice right what we're what we're not seeing is the repetitions. To the dribbling, you know, all of the ball control that, that a player has to, to, to go through in order to, per, to perform in the moment. And then let's not forget the other people on the pitch that have to play their roles as well. So this orchestra all, all, all has to happen together in order for it to look so easy. Now we also have to appreciate that that striker has to have the talent. Because there's a reason why he or she is in that position, why they are there. And the reason that they can make it look so effortless is because they have found the place where in that moment of execution, it is easy. It is easy for them. Uh, everything that led up to that goal or that championship, it, it's almost like you're you're you can't be stopped. You know you're gonna you know you're gonna be successful, and we should we should be able to feel that in our in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. We should be able to feel that, and it's not that there aren't obstacles. Right, it's the injuries happen. Right, the best of the best still get hurt. Mm-hmm sometimes it rains you know and the pitch is slippery so it doesn't mean that every day is going to be a championship day but you know that when you come back tomorrow when the conditions are right again it's going to be easy again and 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 so I think we're we're our our opportunity is no different our opportunity is no different to does not need to be hard I agree.
0: And, you know, it reminded me of what you said before. So let's say it does rain or they are experiencing um, an injury. It's important that we acknowledge it. We don't push it away and try now to fight against it. It's about acknowledging it, sitting with it and focusing on, okay, you know, when can I be back? How can I mentally prepare for it? Whatever helps in that moment.
1: That's right. And and constantly and, and being being prepared to. This is where the guided piece fall, continues, though, because there's also uh, we've seen it staying with staying with the football analogy where a player just doesn't seem to reach their potential on a certain team in a certain environment. Mm-hmm. And so, the, you know, they're, they were a high draft pick or they were highly touted and, and they just never met the the expectations. And then they find themselves on another team and another environment and another situation. And all of a sudden they have tremendous success. This is no different from what we have to put ourselves in the right environment yeah, in order to be successful. And so we, we constantly have to be like you say, a setback or an injury. Definitely take, take that time to, to sit back and, you know, assess, 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 okay, w- what am I going to do to, to, rehab. What am I going to do to get back to the strength that I needed to get back? The market will change and shift on us. Right. So what's working right now with this concept that you and I are talking about today and this, you know, hopefully, you know, the 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 next breakthrough of let's put the I and Y, five years from now it may evolve to to another state. It may evolve to another level. And when everyone, maybe everyone is starting to, or more, not everyone, but maybe many of us are starting to appreciate the value of purpose in our lives. Once we start to seek that, and maybe once we're in, maybe the conversation changes, Kathleen. And you have me back on your podcast in five years, and you're saying, Ted, I'm in my purpose right now. My listeners are in our in our purpose right now. We're ready to focus it and concentrate. What's next? You know, Now what do we do with it? Okay? that'll be a, you know, I don't even know what that might look. I have an idea what that might look like, but I, but we have to be open to, to, to constantly exploring where this purpose of ours is going to take us.
0: And it actually leads me to a question that is literally burning inside of me. When you work with those business owners and entrepreneurs, right. And you step into the space of creating a sense of purpose again, and they leave you and work with you in a more purposeful manner, what is it you're experiencing in them, about them? What's happening there? How would other people describe them?
1: I see them multiply their impact. I think there's some limitations that we put on ourselves that once we, once we see that we can be in many ways limitless, when we really it, it's just a question of how f- how far do we want to go with it? Uh, how much do we want to continue to explore to explore it? so I'll use one example that happened early early on in in my career, uh, my my coaching career. Uh, there was a young this this individual is a, a young entrepreneur. he came from not a lot. he suffered from imposter syndrome, meaning I'm just a person who you know, worked out of the back of my car and I managed to grow this company. And when I first started working with him, there, there was some dysfunction there. He knew what he wanted, but I could see he was, he was striving. He was searching for something. And we started just, this was really more about working on the business and actually helping him find a you know purpose for him in his business. And he realized that his best and highest use is actually to, to remove himself from the day to day. And so what it led to Kathleen was him surrounding himself with the right people in his organization. But more importantly, there was one key person that he brought in that allowed, that freed him. It freed him from being in his business. And for some, what that might've meant was uh, maybe spending more time on recreational activities, maybe it would mean starting another business maybe it would mean golfing more who knows what it would mean for for some but for him he stayed very true to one of the main reasons that he started his business in the first place and that was he believed that with his business he could do more with a business in a charitable way in a social and a, in an environmental type of way that he could by himself and so that was already parts of who he was his his business was a vehicle and so once he was able to to let go of some of that day-to-day he really started to amplify what his business could do from an environmental social perspective and he went on to and he's, and he's going to do some great things he didn't have a healthy lifestyle So when he was in his business, he, it was, it was a lot of drinking. Uh, it was a lot of partying. It wasn't healthy eating. Uh, it wasn't healthy relationships, personal relationships per se, which wasn't leading to his, quite frankly, his happiness. And, and recently I think he just did to raise awareness and, and, and raise some money for some of these causes. And he did this all through his company. Think he ran seven marathons in seven days, or something like that. Wow! Uh, he's got he's lost, dropped a bunch of weight. He's just so clear mentally. His rela- his his relationship with his his significant other. Like he's starting to move in. So just and this is someone who's in his thirties, Kathleen. That that has set himself up that many don't get there until, you know, their forties or or later, and they get there in a turbulent way. And so any, and what he's really become is an example for others. Like he's inspiring to me. You know, I look mm-hmm. at him as say, look at what you're doing. You yeah. know, sometimes, you know, when I'm, you know, I'm thinking, you know what I, I need to, you're reminding me, I need to get back at some of the things you're doing. So that's, that's what I see. I just, just, if you, if you would have painted the picture, And said, this person within the next 10 years is going to do this, 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 and this, nobody would have believed it, right? No one would have taken that bet. And that's what's possible once you, once you start to to operate in this, in this world.
0: There seems to be a real pattern. Because that's exactly the same experience I have had. um, And I spoke about it on an interview that I was interviewed for. Uh, And exactly like that, everything you just described from losing weight, eating healthier, happier relationships, and so on and so forth happened when I was in my zone. Uh, it's, It's like this catalyst. And suddenly it sets all of this positive energy free. And I just have a look at the other screen that I have in front of me, which shows your purpose platform. Ah, and yes. and you mentioned quite a few of those contributors, right? Relationships you mentioned, body nutrition you mentioned, to a certain extent mind, but there are a few more that are missing. What are the others?
1: Yeah. So the purpose platform, Kathleen, is once we've once we start on this journey, once we start on the path, there will be uh, elements that try to derail us, right? Mm. Life, life, it's. Life will try to derail our best, our best-laid plans. So the idea is with the purpose platform, purpose is in the center, and we need to set up some guardrails to keep us on the path. And so you mentioned, uh the, and I call them the six essentials. And these six essentials are those guardrail items that we have to tend to if we are going to uh, successfully fulfill that purpose or follow that purpose for as long as we're 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 here to do that. So mind is one of those uh essentials. We have to tend to our mind, body, uh soul, so that's one that you didn't mention. So soul is, is an important essential. Nutrition, so we did talk a little bit about the, you know, the, what are we fueling ourselves with. Um money. You know, money is is and, and it's more our relationship with it uh more than anything else not how much of it we have. And then relationships is the sixth essential and so those six uh really the important aspects of our life and within those six there there are a handful of disciplines that if we are conscious about tending to the mind the body the soul nutrition money and relationships uh we we stand a better chance of having things right in our life so that the conditions are right to follow purpose mm-hmm. and that's where those six essentials and any one of them at any given time we might be just doing fine with for many of us you know the, the fitness fans out there they've been fit all their lives you know the body's probably in no need to spend a heck of a lot of time there but has you know, has, has the mind been neglected you know um, has the soul been neglected And and we and we know we know that there's work to be done because we're not always going to have perfect days, you know? So there's always work to be done. And as long as we're coming back to, to those essentials and, and assessing where we are and where do we need to work, we stand a better chance of like, like I said, keeping the conditions right to, to be able to follow, to follow our purpose.
0: Yeah. And, and it's a wonderful tool just to, hold up a mirror and to you know step into this level of self-awareness again because if you are living in your purpose, it might feel easier. That's just my own humble opinion to fill a lot of those core areas, those essentials. Mm-hmm. However, when you know, for example, you feel overwhelmed more often, so your mind isn't in the right place, you are feeling almost a bit stuck to really nurture your relationships you are tense pretty quickly so that applies to me i know something is off yeah right yes. but being aware of those essentials in general helps you to step back into this reflection zone quicker and to then take those measures that are needed in the moment to get back in in tune basically and
1: yeah it, be in the center it, it, the, that's exactly yeah. That's exactly it, Kathleen. It, they're there to get us back to get us centered. They're also there to give us the uh, fuel that we're going to need as we go deeper into our purpose. And I'll give you a recent example that I I had to lean on the the, the purpose platform. I was. Uh, a couple of days ago, we're, we're working. We're working on um, a course, so we're working on creating an online course that's going to dive deeper into to all of these this subject area. And uh, part of this requires uh, videoing. It, you know, I have to video the segments for it. Yeah. And we, we were thinking of a January 30th or January 31st launch for this. And uh, I was thinking, okay, I've got a good part of December or probably early January, I can do the shoot for this. And I found out from the videographer that uh, actually November 23rd is the date that it has to happen if we're, you know, if we're going to get the editing done and everything else. And on November 22nd, I've got a talk that I'm doing, which is a brand new talk that I have to create. And then there's something else going on. And all of a sudden, I felt this overwhelm that I haven't felt. You know, when you talk about things being easy, Mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. it did not feel easy two days ago, Kathleen, like it felt overwhelming and it caused me a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of panic actually. And I said, do I even want to do this? So there was a moment of doubt. There was a moment of doubt. And I, you know, at the worst, I probably would have procrastinated and pushed this thing off and our January 31st might've turned into March 1st, right? At worst, it might have derailed the whole thing. Thinking, this is too much. You know, I don't even know why. Why am I not just happy with what I've got, right? Like, why, why do I need to go and push the envelope? So I, I had to come back to, I had to do some mind exercises. I, I really had to go back and get myself because I was, I was projecting into the, all the future anxieties of all of this that's coming down at me too fast. So, I had to calm myself there, and then I had to use the relationship uh, essential and realize I've got people around me and strong supports around me I don't have to do this myself, and I'm not doing it myself and so it's it's when and then i i actually I, I also tapped in for me you know uh, soul you know has a very clear meaning for me, and you know I do trust in a higher power. And so when in doubt, I go there. And so that combination for me in the last 36 hours, Kathleen, has got me back on track, excited and motivated to get this talk built for November 22nd and do this videoing on November 23rd.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And make sure you share where people can find the online course when it launches so we can share it with
1: others. Wonderful. I sure will. I sure will.
0: And as an outcome, we were able to experience your energy here today and your wise words and insights. And I'm hugely, hugely grateful that you were talking to us today about purpose and everything that comes with it. So thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on the show.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Kathleen. You are, you are a wonderful host. You You have a you have a talent for listening, Kathleen. So as you're going through your inventory, that's definitely in your temperature check. You, you have a talent. <laughs> there, that is one of your talents. I can well, tell thank you,
0: that. you. Thank you so much. I'm blushing a little bit here. Um, <laughs> flushing even. Uh, before I let you go, do share with people where they can find out more about you and where they can find the book in particular.
1: So the the uh, easiest way to, to reach me is just www.tedbradshaw.com. So just uh, my first and last name, tedbradshaw.com. My socials are on there. I'm on all, all the socials. Uh, Ted Bradshaw, you'll find me, or Ted Bradshaw Co, CO. So LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, all of that. And as far as the book is concerned, uh, Amazon. So whichever country you happen to be in, uh, your local Amazon uh, is going to be the best place to, uh, to order that book. You can order from from my website as well. Bulk purchases, probably easier that way, but Amazon will be the most accessible for, for most of your listeners, I'm sure. Stop Chasing Squirrels by Ted Bradshaw.
0: I still have this picture in my head, literally. <laughs> Squirrels chasing each other. So thank you, thank you so much. And thank you to all of you out there for listening to this show. We can't wait to hear your feedback and if you need any support or want any support well ted and i are here for you so get in touch and obviously we are going to share all of those contact details in the show so stay tuned thank you so much have a wonderful week and speak to you very very soon bye bye thank you so much for listening to the legendary leaders podcast If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.